Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Kyle Shimabukuro. Howdy. And Devin Nikoba. Howdy. Before we begin, let me remind our listeners of all the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. Then, of course, you can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and download the podcast there. You can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. And finally, if you'd like to help the show, get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com and donate. There you will get more involved with the show and help determine who and what is filmed. And in the upcoming podcast, we'll probably talk about a little bit of the swag that is coming out soon for next year and all that stuff, but it's not, not quite there yet. We're not quite December, right? Um, <laughs> you can find Devin Nicola at Kumu 94.7 in the mornings. You can go to highlife808.com to find Kyle and his products. And you can go to Etsy, Wandering Sea, for my wife's uh, masks and crafts and all that stuff. I hope you guys oh, had a good... Don't forget the pop-ups and stuff, too. Oh, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, you have a pop-up coming up, right, in the next week? Yes, Black Friday and Saturday from 10 to 3 at Hamada General Store. Oh, okay, okay. Street. So you can okay. get some really good grinds and then buy some shirts and yeah, swag yeah. and stuff. They're actually going to do a um, high-life kind of bento box special. Really? Yeah, it's going to be like a mixed plate to sell. What time is the pop-up going to be there from? 10 to 2. Yeah. Okay. I said that part. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, sorry. I missed it. Okay, I'm sorry. Just come down and hang out. I'm going to be in the van just cruising. Just bring, bring whatever. Just hang out in the van all day with me. Speaking of Black on. Friday, this, this translates well because I was at the Aulani uh, this past weekend doing, doing the vacation thing, which is kind of interesting, you know, vacation during the pandemic or whatnot. But my buddy, uh, Grant, he is the guy that every year, you know, when they go to Best Buy and it's got the first guy in line, like who's camping yeah, you out. About I do before. Uh-huh. So the, yeah, he is that guy. He camps out every year at Best Buy and it's like a tradition for him. So he was at Alani with me and we were talking. I'm like, oh, so what? You got to, we're going to leave Alani, go straight to Best Buy. And he's like, cannot this year. They don't want okay. people camping oh, wow. out because of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Wow. So his tradition is kind of broken because of that. So it's kind of uh, a bummer. Yeah. How was it in Alani, John? What, okay. Is it crowded? Did they practice? Is there a lot of social? Oh, there's a story. There's a story. Hold on. Hold on. Well, okay. So Alani, it, it's kind of amazing to me. I haven't been there in a few years, but it was crowded. It was wow. it was packed. Like the parking lot was full. And they had overflow one night. We had to park in the valet side and whatnot. So I don't know exactly... Wow what capacity they're running up, but there's a lot of people. I mean, it's not like, it doesn't feel empty at all, you know? But man, it's kind of changed. First of all, if you want to get a chair, if you want to sit down by the pool, you got to get there early. So Mm -hmm. the pool is open at 8 a.m. And uh, Grant, who's this, uh, he's the premier camper guy, right? So he was out there 6 a.m. on Saturday. He got like the prime, like right in front of the lazy river spot. So, so he's like, yeah. So we, we sat with him and stuff. He was nice enough to let us sit with him. So I said, AK Grant, okay, Sunday, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to sit here. And he's like, uh, he's laughing, but I'm like, I took it as a challenge, you know? So I got up Sunday morning at 5:50, walked my, my way down. Wasn't even, sun wasn't even up yet. It was still dark. Six o'clock. I'm sitting on that on those chairs, you know? And I sat there from six till nine because my family came down nine o'clock, but people showed up maybe seven o'clock by seven thirty already. Like most of the 
seats were all taken. Is it gone? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's so good about it's, that's been that's been like that forever, dude. Yeah, what's so like good about getting a good seat next to the Lazy River? What's the what's the draw? Well, well, number one, I mean, you just want a seat, period, because they run out of mm-hmm. seats pretty fast, and then you just don't have a yeah. place to put your stuff down because yeah. oh. you know my seat, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then. Secondly, the Lazy River, the reason why we like that one spot was it was kind of away from, you know, they, they got the, um, that area where all the water just falls. It's like a kitty area. Yeah. And it, but yeah. the Menahuni, sit, if, Menahuni Falls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you sit over near there, if you get those chairs, you get sprayed a lot because the, the, all, all the water. The kids are so, playing around the water. Yeah, yeah so um, the Lazy River is calm over there. Plus, pandemic, when you think about pandemic-wise, that one seat that we were at is far away from all the other seats. So you're just kind of on yeah. your, in your own little section. You, 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 even if you get your own seat, you're far away from everybody else. So didn't feel like you were kind of crowded in with everyone. Did your, did your kids go to Auntie's house? No, I don't even know if that was open. What? Oh, yeah, I guess yeah, maybe not. They yeah. kind of have everyone mingling, right? So yeah, I mean, all the kids, you just drop your kid off and you go. That's kind of one of the benefits, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, the other thing that was kind of kind of blew my mind was that so many people. So I had plenty of locals there. It was, mm-hmm. I'd say, 80% locals that went, was there. And everybody had like coolers and like, they, they're packing like they're going camping or something. You know, they have all their food with them and stuff like that. So I, I didn't realize how, how prepared everybody was. You know, we went with just to- a couple of towels and just our change of clothes or whatever. But everyone, like, like full on coolers, like on you know, with, with wheels and everything. Oh, well, cause nobody wants to, you don't want to leave your spot. Cause once you leave your spot, it's over. You're not going to get that, that chair back. So you might as well is? just, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get your, you're not going to get your, your spot back. So you better just stay there and don't go anywhere. Wow, so, how many times have you been to Aulani? Oh, uh, I used to, we used to go when the kids were little, I, I'd say like three years ago, we'd go once a year and it was because um, our friends. So, before the pandemic, they'd have this thing where if you get 10 groups together, you get some kind of group discount. And so they had this thing where they, all their friends would go, but they didn't have enough people to make 10 groups. So we would go as like part of the 10 groups, you know? Uh, yeah. But, uh, but that stopped a couple of years ago. And then, so we have, I haven't well, gone. Well, we're, we're, our family, our family's a vacation club. So okay. we, um, yeah, it's all that whole thing of, it's like a condo and there's a kitchen and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for us, it's uh, yeah, but it's a, it's that same issue. You, you try to get there and there's no seats to be. Had. So you just kind of end up wandering around. <laughs> trying it is to find crazy. To it do. is, it is nuts. Yeah. yeah. What's even, yeah. even more insane. Oh, and, and I'd like to thank our friends that, that helped us get that, um, that space. I won't say who it is. Cause I don't know if they were supposed to, I'm supposed to say who it is, but we had some assistance in getting that reservation. Uh, um, mm. So thank you very much. But my son, oh, he's so into his fortnight, you know, he just spent, he spent almost the whole thing in the hotel room. Oh my God. Like, oh, yeah. Fortnite. He had well, no interest in Wi-Fi. swimming. Yep. Came down, he came down, hung out with us a little while, and then was like, no, nah, I, I want to go back upstairs and do. Are, so. are all the food places open? Because I know that they, uh, you know, they shut down the buffets and all that kind of right. stuff. Right. Buffets so. are not open. The, the one like cafeteria place by the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's open. By the pool. Yeah. Yeah, by the pool yeah. is open. Okay. So we ate at Monkey Pod one night, take out. And then mm-hmm. uh, the second night, I think um, 
we went to well stace and i had five guys but then the kids ate like oh. a couple noodle and random stuff where'd you get five guys from uh kamakani you joked a couple yeah oh kamakani okay okay yeah. okay so that was kind of yeah, cool. close I mean, good, man. I mean, or walk, you know, across, or walk across the street because uh, that ABC store is crazy. Oh, really? Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, it's, it's run by ABC store, but it's like a gourmet ABC store. So they have pizza and plate lunches and steak and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh. You know, being that it was like 80% Locals. And crowded in the parking lot and crowded everywhere, did you feel safe in that environment there? Mm, yeah. Oh, 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 as far as pandemic, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really give much thought to it anyway, but you, you are relatively never in close proximity with anybody for a very long period of time anyway, right? Because even at the pool, you may be passing people, but there's no enclosed spaces and, you know, you're walking past people in the halls and stuff, but I don't know. I, I did, you wear, pool, did you wear a mask? You can't wear a mask in the pool. You know what I mean? You no. don't wear a mask in the pool. But uh, when, I, when I saved the seat from 6 a.m. till 9, whatever, I was wearing my mask, just sitting out Good there boy. in the... Yeah. <laughs> so I, I sit out there I'm with texting, my mask. I'm texting. As, we, as you talk, I'm texting my wife all these things that you were doing. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, at 6 o'clock a.m., there's not even a soul awake at this point i'm still wearing my mask nobody's there <laughs> what am i doing with my life you know okay <laughs> they don't have wait walking around serving you guys drinks or asking you guys for drinks no. or anything like although, like although at six o'clock I, I i shouldn't say that because I, I i'd be lying at six o'clock they had guys going around wiping down all the chairs mm, the chairs yeah yeah sanitizing all the chairs so they did have that going on okay but the servers uh, i think they don't they don't have them go back and forth just because it's it feels unsafe yeah <clears throat> But okay, before before the pandemic, people would come around and serve you guys. Mm, kinda, not really. I didn't see that really. much of that. They, they don't have the characters either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No meeting greets. Mm. Okay, Yoza's in the waiting room. I'm gonna bring her on, and we'll be back in a couple seconds with Yoza. Uh, okay, we're back with Yoza. Yoza, thank you for being on the podcast. I, I want to start. I want to start by saying that I met you. Well, the first time I met you was with uh, Brandon Appellas. You were. Oh, was I drunk? <laughs> no, you were not. You were, well, I don't know, but but it was up at Tiki's, and I thought, man, this girl is amazingly talented. Oh, and thank then, you. but the first time we got to talk was when you came on the high sessions, and you know, it's one of these things like you you're very much cooler than me. I know that, <laughs> you know. So I always I always assume that people cooler than me are a little bit standoffish and you know they don't want to talk but you came into the shoot and you were like this super personable like super nice and fun like one of the most fun people we had on the on the shoots you know so i was like oh man this this girl is like awesome so, she's okay yeah she's right. <laughs> she, treats, she treats us like equals you know no, you know what? It's funny that you say that because most people that I have come up to me, like I was at Best Buy the other day and then this lady's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They always apologize to me first. Can I take a picture with you? I'm so sorry. I know you're really busy. I'm like, I'm not busy at all. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm in like, Best Buy, no. man. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and also at my ties too, the same thing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like they're always apologizing as if I have something better to do, you know, like, 
I, I might look intimidating, but I'm the easiest person to, to talk to. And, <laughs> you know, that, that they love, <laughs> no, I know, don't let the face tattoos fool you, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think, I think that's what it is. You know, you got the tattoos and stuff, you got the look and it, I think people think, oh, maybe she's not approachable or whatnot, but I can tell the world right now, you're just like the most approachable, <laughs> most easiest person to talk to that I've met in a long time. So. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. I'll take that as a, a compliment. <laughs> well, let me, let me, because we're talking about your, this, your, uh, you have a face now here. Yeah, it looks like Freddie Mercury, I was going to say. Ah, that. yes. In Honduras, Is that Freddie Mercury? they say El Chapo. And I'm like, no. El Chapo. Not uh, El Chapo, but it is oh. Freddie Mercury, who I, in my opinion, is the best performer that I've ever met. All right. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, well, Freddie Mercury was my guest too. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, okay. When did you get that? Oh, years ago. Really? That's how long it's been. Many years ago. Uh, yes, it's been a long time. And how it's do you even, decide uh, where you put and a kind of wherever their space? My whole stomach <laughs> is wow. taken. My whole, like I got booty booty zyme on. I'm wow. Sorry. Wow. Not where I pig. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm running out of space. So if it's, I'm actually getting my um, face tattoos laser removed by Way Gone Tattoo Removal. Wow. Okay. And uh, so they're coming off, but I already added on because it used to go all the way down <laughs> to here. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't even remember getting those tattoos, honestly. I, I really don't remember. I woke up, washed my face, worst hangover ever. Like, boom. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, because it's funny, we, we took, uh, so when we started the show, Yosa was one of the first artists to ever come on and we took, uh, so we did the shoot and then I also wanted to try to do like portrait photos and we took pictures of her and I was going to use it for the promotion of this podcast and then I looked at it, I'm like, oh my God, there's like, she, so many tattoos are missing, like since, <laughs> 20, since 2013 till now, there's been a, you know, a whole lot more, so it, I don't, I don't know if it for Willie. Willie, that was the most drastic one that I did after Willie Willie K died. Yeah, oh, oh wow, yeah. That's wow. My, over my voice. He's always in my heart. Oh, that's mm. awesome. That's really cool. He was like my dad. Like, how did you guys hook up, you and Willie? So um, there's a guy, and he's like this higher up in MLK, which is a huge production company. In they're like the Banff of Germany. Okay. Mm. And so he found me through his daughter and his daughter was like looking up high sessions and stuff like that. Cool. And, um, and she found me and then she told her dad and her dad's like, holy crap, you know, like, who do I know in Hawaii? So he knew Willie. Uh, and so he contacted him and then long story short, I was living in LA and then he called me to open for his shows in uh, LA and San Diego and stuff like that. And wow. then this became, uh, like besties <laughs> oh, yeah. he accepted wow. me because at the time i was like you know still in the disease and stuff and so he accepted me the way that i was you know and and and, and everything that came with it yeah well you guys seem like which is willie style yeah 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 they yeah, used, yeah. used to call me mini willie his wife used to call yeah. me mini willie <laughs> <laughs> Well, much to the BWO and drum, you can jam a bunch of different kind of music. You can, you yeah, know what I mean? But yeah. I wasn't Willie. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Bill, you know, <laughs> that's pretty rough. But I think what they're talking about was like the sass and stuff, you know, like, oh, yeah. like yeah. oh, I know I'm a badass kind of thing. When really, I'm just joking when I say that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, Willie, it was for Willie. He was actually serious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Willie was, like, yeah, <laughs> hardcore serious. Like, and you know what? He had, it was valid, you know? Yeah, like, he backed it up. He always backed yeah, it up. Yeah, he backed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's true. That's so, funny. I know that you've been back to performing a little bit. Are the gigs starting to come back, trickling in a little bit, or it's still? Oh, man. So, um, 85 to 90% of my venues closed down entirely, which breaks oh. my heart wow. Oh, yeah. um, and then the ones that are still surviving are having a hard time themselves. So how are you going to spend money on musicians? Right. You know, that's the last mm. thing that you need for your restaurant to survive. So um, I'm kind of, I'm grateful that I do have South Shore, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not South Shore, um, Shorefire on Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays from 6.30 to 8.30? Mm. 6.00 8.00? Um, <laughs> around that, around dinner time, somewhere around. And then time. I fill in for for uh, some spots and stuff like that, but uh, it just hasn't it hasn't really come back for us. So I've been looking into like doing Uber driving or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just uh, it's been really rough and very yeah. Hard. Yeah. Well, what do you think we can do? As uh, I mean, because obviously there's the online thing that people you. I don't know if you've been doing the Facebook lives and things like that. I know people have been donating that way, but I don't know what that, else. That works for a little while. Yeah. Works for a little while. And then you start doing concerts and people get over it. Like one time I started doing Now I would normally charge like $35 an hour for an ukulele lesson. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, but then what I would, I started teaching teaching kiki ukulele lessons, and then I started noticing that parents like joining along too, and it was like you know super easy for them, so it was like no egos or anything like that, and it was really nice. And so I was teaching classes like that, uh, but it would be like a twenty dollar donation, and then nothing, you know, uh, like and then uh, so like wow. I'd be teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, and uh, which I love doing honestly, I really do. But then when it comes to finances. Uh, and then people don't understand what it takes to do a live show. Like it actually, honest to God, and I've heard this from other colleagues as well, it takes more energy, it takes more time, it takes more prep and everything to do a, uh, you know, Facebook Live or Instagram Live show than it does just going and setting up your sound equipment at a place. Mm. You know, it's, mm. it's actually a lot more work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel you because uh, I was doing that for a little while. Um, just because I saw everybody else do it, I thought, oh, I, I should do this. I saw that. But then after a while, I was like, oh my god, I gotta set up everything, and then you know, set up the Facebook stuff, and do it. It, it became, yeah, it just didn't. And you know what? I gotta admit to you, I, I enjoy jamming with people, and so to sit by myself, it, it's okay if I'm at a venue because then at least you have an audience to kind of play off of and there's people walking around there's some energy going but when you're sitting at home in your bedroom and you're playing to to well i mean you see people no. commenting and stuff but it's just a different feel especially if you're by yourself but i feel like well maybe hopefully i can get um people to come although it'd be weird to have you know herb in my bedroom with me jamming <laughs> <laughs> something like that, you know but 
I don't know if I can at least get at least one I'm more. Sure, Herb would like it. Yeah, <laughs> I could at least get someone involved. Yeah, okay. So you're so kind of at this you... point. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, John. I was just, I was just it's asking. So nice and polite. I just interject, oh. and I just like. <laughs> yeah, they're so nice. <laughs> so you're kind of looking for alternatives right now uh, to to kind of carry you over until things start picking up again. Yeah, and it's plus it's hard because I'm a mom too. So oh. uh, I take care of my four-year-old and uh, I also take care of the house. Uh, and that's like a full-time job that doesn't get paid for, <laughs> no, sure, sure. So, but needs to get done. Um, so yeah, I mean, today I was just driving around and I was like, maybe I should Uber. <laughs> I mean, I should be like Ubering or something like that. But uh, you know, it, it comes to the point where it's like, I don't want to lie to the government or anything like that. Mm. Uh, I hate scripture either to, to be out on the, But anyways, uh, you know, sometimes I'll have to take gigs that are cash gigs. I, I have to, to survive, you know? And, yeah. and sometimes it's like a week goes by. When you're self-employed, you know, it's different than having a regular job because you never know when you're gonna get paid. Right, so right. I can't afford to get off of unemployment and get paid one week and then the next day and then the next week and the next week not get paid at all. You know, mm -hmm. it just, you know, you might as well stay on unemployment. So it's just, it's such a hard, weird time right now. Yeah, it's a fine balance, right? Yeah. I guess my question was, you know, you're teaching ukulele. Um, was that the first instrument that you learned how to play as a musician? Yes, I did. Yeah. My brother used to play, but then my parents would force him to play. And uh, I was always jealous, you know, and so I just would grab my brother's ukulele and I'd be like, ah! and so my parents were just like, we need a Sunday lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I went there. I loved it. I took to it very quickly. They had too many super cakeys. So they added me on as a, a sub super cakey, a suburb cakey, as, <laughs> as Sean says it. Uh, and so I would be playing at, you know, hotels and, you know, the Sheraton, I remember, was my first gig as a child. I think I was like seven. And, uh, you know, whenever, whenever they needed an extra person to be there. I played at the uh, Aloha Stadium, actually, when I was only eight. Wow. Oh. Did you end up playing at Royce Akuma Studios, too, for a little bit? I was at Royce Akuma Studios for a while. Yeah. No, uh, no, no, no. no. Um, I just, I, I would just take lessons and stuff like that. Actually, I kind of broke off and I started learning because then that's when like Pure Heart, you know, and um, Troy and stuff, they started coming out with these fast picking, but they, at the time they didn't teach. <clears throat> and I was like, well, I want the biggest and best. And, you know, so I would start learning that style of picking and stuff. And a little did I know that it sounds like they're going really fast or Troy, you know, and I was like, whoa, there's actually like a secret to it, you know, because I would always have my low G string. Ah. And so once I switched it to high, I already had the facility of doing a traditional one. And so I would just pick like that. And I was like, whoa, it sounds like I'm picking two times faster, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it, it was really like Jake Shimabukuro, you know, Pure Heart, which is why I'm a huge fan. I'm always going to be a huge fan. Uh, Pure Heart and Troy uh, from Kyle Crater Boys that really got me into just going straight hardcore. God. I just saw the news yesterday that um, the Sakumas handed off the ukulele festival yeah. to another 
to another group of people to run it. Oh, no. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, those are actually... Well, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, do you know well, him, John? Yeah, I do. Uh, his name is Craig Chi, and his, uh, he has his wife, Sarah. So Craig is from here. He's a Punahou grad, I believe. And uh, they live on the mainland now, but they do a lot of them. Um, so uh, let me put it this way. Craig is, uh, well, number one, he's a huge ukulele fan. So I think that, you know, it'll be in good hands. Like he, he's very on top of things, organized, but he's really good at the tech stuff. So they've been doing like online uh, oh, festivals good. already, you know? Good. Mm. So good. I, think, I think that probably had a lot to do with why that they got the gig in that um, Roy probably felt like, you know, with everything going digital for now, like they're kind Absolutely. of ahead of the game on that. Absolutely. So, you know, oh, I'm no. so sorry. No, go, ahead. Totally go, go ahead. So I worked together with Kualoha and uh -huh. um, they sent me down to Australia for their ukulele festival down there. And I was shocked because the ukulele festival down there lasts for like a week, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just one day. And wow. it's, Freaking huge! You're like a celebrity, you know. <laughs> if you play ukulele, they're huge, like huge. And so I was like, "How is it that the ukulele festival over here is bigger than the one in in Hawaii?" You know, Hawaii. that's so unusual to me. You know, and they they knew my music and stuff like that. They were I was autographing more than I ever autographed over here. <laughs> you know, I was like, "What? Crazy!" You know. And so, but what you're saying is right. Where it's a lot of Things are going digital, and, and, and you have to you have to have that uh, behind you. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. You know, yeah. if you're not online. If you don't have an online presence, it's yeah. just not going to happen. Well, and I think Roy, you know, he's how I don't know how old Roy is. He's in his seventies, right? He's on the Fountain of Youth. I don't know. He's doing something. I have no yeah. idea. He, looks really <laughs> young. he acts really young. So there's a there's a really ugly portrait in his house somewhere. Really? <laughs> yeah like dorian gray anyway sorry uh, no but uh yeah i mean I, at, at a certain point i'm sure he probably he just feels like man i'm getting too old for this because now not only do i have to do the festival which i've done for 50 years or whatever but on top of that now i got this added thing of international and video and streaming and mm -hmm. you know I, I either gotta hire it out or i can just kind of try to pass it on is probably what he's I would have right, so single-handedly like brought music to so many cases and <laughs> yeah. so much I owe so much of my life to him you know and just the the way that they teach is uh it's just it, it's so non you know intimidating it's not intimidating mm -hmm. at all and uh it makes it so easy for for Keiki to learn you know, how to play something that seems so daunting in the beginning, you know? And so really, I mean, he's just done so much for Hawaii when it comes to that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And really nice guy. Oh, I mean, awesome guy. Totally not, awesome guy. I don't hear too many people talking shit about Rice <laughs> yeah, no. We could make up some stuff and then maybe it might make the sale. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> no, I, I can't. He's always been just a, just a pleasure to be around that guy. So Yosa, you've you've been involved in, in light music for forever. So I mean, when you were going to school, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know where you went to high school or any of that kind of stuff. So do you mind going into that background? Sure. I went to well, I first 
started playing saxophone in elementary, actually. Uh, I oh. loved saxophone because of Michael Polo from Kalapana. Mm -hmm. oh. So at a young age, I was like charting all of his solos. Like I knew all of his solos by heart uh, wow. by the time I was in intermediate. And so my dad invested in my own saxophone. And then later on, I got a uh, black lacquered saxophone. So I had like the only black lacquered saxophone in the state of Hawaii. Uh, and it was shipped in from wow. Paris. And so wow. I got like wow. first chair in the state of Hawaii for saxophonists. And um, I absolutely love saxophone. I love jazz. I love everything about sax, you know. And, uh, and uh, it wasn't until about when I was, I continued sax through high school and then got a full music scholarship to Hawaii Pacific University through saxophone. And uh, I would sing the national anthem and all that kind of stuff at the games. But um, I think with songwriting and stuff like that, uh, I taught myself how to play guitar. I was really influenced by like Olomana, Country Comfort, CNK and stuff like that. So I would do covers of, of that kind of stuff along with Jimi Hendrix and stuff because I was a good friend of uh, my friend Jared Rader who's passed now, but, um, and then Barry Kimokeo, uh, who's an amazing slack key guitarist. Uh, so we were buddies uh, in high school. And so he would teach me how to play guitar. <clears throat> what, 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 like, high, what high school is this? Oh, Kalani Falcons. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> public school, yeah. public school. Sorry, any Kaiser people, you know. I, I That's don't right know. there. That's <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Kaiser, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I learned, because I was a real outcast, uh, I learned how to play uh, guitar with, with Barry and Jared, and, and we would just like do that now, amongst other things I was going through. I had really bad teeth. I had cystic acne and all that kind of stuff. So I would really drown myself in music. And, uh, and I lost brown bags to stardom three years in a row. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, uh, if it yeah. makes you feel any better, Jake lost brown bags to stardom a couple times. Too. Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> making me feel great. But what did you what did you play for brown bags and stardom? Did you play sax? Oh god, I played in a, I played saxophone in a ska band. I like I played ukulele and sang a Hawaiian tune. I and then on my last year, I was like, I'm gonna do this all by myself. I'm gonna do it me just in the middle of that whole gymnasium, me and my wow. guitar. And wow. uh, I did uh, one good thing about music. Uh -huh. Good thing about music. Um. And it was mixed in with trench down rock. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Oh, interesting. Huh? But then I lost to Love and Honesty by this couple wearing matching Hawaiian shirts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would have told you any every day over that. <laughs> every day I'm like, damn those guys. <laughs> so, where did the R&B influence come from? Because you got a, yeah. a really soulful background. That's from years of alcohol and uh, substance abuse. But um, uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> with, okay, so I grew up with my dad who listened to funk, Motown, all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, Aretha Franklin and Gladys Knight and the Pips and everything like that. I loved it. And Grover Washington Jr. I'm a total dork, by the way, just like no. And uh, along with <laughs> like, a lot of classical, classical music and jazz, um, and my mom is from Central America, Honduras. She's actually from the most dangerous country in the world. And, and she mm -hmm. lives there. Um, oh, wow. 
she would bring in the Hispanic bachata, um, you know, cha-cha, merengue, whatever, you name it. Um, she'd bring that in. Uh, so when it came to, I actually was originally just into soul and jazz and Motown. Mm. And then just anything that was around, like along that, those lines, anything that sounded good to me, I would just go to. See her with the her with the three albums is going to be interesting. I know, yeah, that's going to be. We have a we have a music <laughs> question coming up for you, which is probably going to be the most interesting. It's going to be hard for you to pick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's I rough. can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Ah, and then, so what? So where were you from? Because uh, I met you ten years ago. So where were you during your like college years and stuff like that? So like eighteen to twenty, twenty one. Those are kind of formative you years. I'm sorry. When I was married? Oh, you were married. Okay. So you weren't playing too <laughs> much? Or, I mean, as far as musically. <laughs> okay. So that. Um, you're, doing, you're doing brown bags and, and all that stuff. And there's yeah, people. And then. Um, HPU. HPU. Okay. And I fell into addiction. Oh, so, okay. So um, I very quickly. Uh, well, it starts, okay, <laughs> it kind of starts like before. So I was born with a disorder called severe panic disorder. And so that led into another uh, disorder, which is called trichotillomania, which is a com compulsive hair pulling disorder. So uh... when I was doing shows, it actually started going, getting worse when I was doing shows with Roy Sakuma. I would pull all the hair out of my head. I'll give you guys pictures if you want. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> years old and I look like I have a skin yarmulke on my head you know mm. um, wow. I, I pick out all the hair on my head and that's an obsessive compulsive uh disorder that is very commonly found with people with uh, severe panic disorder and so you know God has a real great sense of humor and he made me a performer so you know having severe panic you know I was constantly I, I, had, a, oh, I had a classmate man. who did that yeah it, it actually cool. affects millions yeah. of Americans yeah. Yeah. And, and they're more, they're like 90% more likely to develop uh, substance abuse problems mm. because wow. their brain, the way their brain, there's a science behind um, addiction. So just like anything else, if you look at uh, a lungs, a healthy lungs and lungs that are smokers lungs, you'll see a regular brain and an addict brain and they function completely different. So, mm. um, you know, it is a disease, and uh, unfortunately, it's a disease that nobody feels sorry when you have the disease. You know, like people have cancer, they have like you know everything, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for that person." When you have drug addiction and alcoholism, they're like, "Why do they do that to themselves? Like they should really, you know, they're hurting everyone around them and all this kind of stuff." And it's 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 really a disease that everyone hates you for. You know, mm. and it's unfortunate because it's hard to get out of alone with no uh, support. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, so <clears throat> that was that. So I did have the full scholarship to Hawaii Pacific University and all that kind of stuff. I got into drinking uh, at a later age, actually. Um, and I, I lost a scholarship. I ended up living in my car, doing drugs, selling drugs, you know, uh, selling my body, doing all kind of crazy things. Uh, and meanwhile, I would play here and there. And so 
I remember I, I got this job at Lonnie Kai Juice when they first were only one Lonnie Kai Juice. And I got mm. it and I was sleeping on the front doorstep <laughs> to Lonnie Kai Juice. And the manager, wow. she was like, were you sleeping here? I was like, no. I was like, no. So I was just I like, didn't want to be late from work. You know? I didn't want to be late. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, through them, I I got invited to play at the owner's house. And then there they were doing like a dinner with the people from Lost. And so Evangeline oh. Lily saw me over there and she took wow. it to the music and stuff like that. And so she invited me into her house to live there for a while. And wow. um, is is she's such a sweetheart? I absolutely love her, and that was when she was with Dominic Monaghan. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, so that was a little other part of my life. <laughs> and then uh, I just I long story short, I got in trouble with the law. I got you know uh, overdosed many many times, uh, alcohol poisoning, everything, many many car accidents, uh, you know suicide attempts, all that kind of stuff. It all comes with that deal so um playing music uh was always a part of me that defined me you know Mm. um however drugs and alcohol really took over that Mm. and uh when I got tired sick and tired of being sick and tired is what they say um I made the choice to stay clean and sober and uh, I got to the support groups that I needed to, and I did everything that was suggested to me in the programs, and I was able to maintain three years of sobriety. And within those three years, uh, I was able to finally, you know, in my 20s, get a grounding with my uh, music career. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a lot of people who really believed in me and everything. And, uh, and I started, you know, believing that, I could actually do something, you know, with this. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, I kind of trailed off. Like. Okay, yeah. And, 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 it, and it's been, has it been an up and down road for you since then? Okay, so that was three years. I had three years of recovery, right? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> after that, I got married, you know, uh, and everything. I had a relapse. And after I stopped doing the suggestions, because I was like, oh, uh, I'm good. You know, I'm good. Yeah. I got three years. I'm good. Mm. You know, like mm. I stopped going to my meeting. I stopped doing all the things that were suggested to me. And then one day I was at a liquor store just getting a soda. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get that because I think that I'm strong enough to like have uh, it. been three uh, years. You know, nine years later. nine years later I got sick and tired because very quickly like a normal person you know can stop can leave it alone an addict brain Mm. because I've already uh trained there there's damage already to the frontal lobe of your brain which which uh handles like making decisions planning you know and all the those kind of things, it's deteriorated so much so that you continue going. And then when you're using alcohol and drugs, it also feeds that, um, the craving, it feeds Mm. the craving and it keeps going. And so it's, there's a part of your brain that they refer to neuroscientologists, they refer to it as the, um, uh, what do they call it? Rewards. It's it's Mm -hmm. called rewards, you know? And, um, it's, it's crazy because it's a double-edged sword. It, it makes it so that you, it, it makes you more sensitive to stress 
anxiety, you know, all those kind of things, depression and everything like that. But it also makes it hard to feel happy events as they occur naturally. Because mm. when you're giving it alcohol and drugs, you're just like, party in the house, you know? And if you've ever tried to take a kid out of Chuck E. Cheese, you know, it's like that. It's trying to get someone to stop drugs and alcohol. It's like trying to take them out of Chuck E. Cheese, sitting them in front of Chuck E. Cheese, watching all the kids have fun. That's mm. what it's like, you know? Mm. So um, <clears throat> recovery for me, there, everybody has a different path. I've seen people come in and out. I've seen people come in and stay. I've seen and experienced boyfriends and everything relapse and die. Um, many of my friends have died. We just lost a really good one in the music industry. And uh, we were talking almost every night uh, before he decided to take his own life. Unfortunately, wow. with alcoholism, uh, because it doesn't tend, you don't tend to overdose on alcohol. Uh, mm. You have to take your own life. And so um, with, with other drugs like opiates and stuff like that, you tend to just overdo it and then you, you know, you end up uh, passing. But uh, with him, he was struggling, you know, and, and that's why it's so important that we do these kind of things because I'm happy. I live a wonderful life and I'm an addict and I'm an alcoholic and I'll always be in recovery till the day that I die, you know? Mm -hmm. And do I think about drinking and using it and stuff like that? All the time. All the time, my my frontal lobe is so damaged that I have to actually talk myself out many times of drinking and using. You know, mm. I'm a performer. I suffer from severe panic disorder. You know, the thing that works best is alcohol. Hmm. And I still get on the stage and I feel nervous as hell to the point where I'm, I'm almost gonna pass out, which I have before, you know. But I refuse to let the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction take the life that God gave me because only God can take that away from me. You know, I, I, sure. I need to try as hard as I can to make the decisions that benefit myself and others. Cause there was a point where I would wake up in the hospital from an overdose and I'm like, why am I still alive? Like I was mad, you know, I was like, why do you keep putting me through this? You know, it's like this slow dragging, you mm. know? And, mm. and not only that, but for me, it's a public dragging, you know? Mm. And it's like, if I do something wrong, everybody hears about it, you know? Right, right, right. And um, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard life, but it's rewarding. Mm. You know what, you know, what kind of advice can you give people right now that are struggling during these hard times? You know, especially during these past eight months, you know, I know there are people out there that, you know, are struggling with addiction and struggling to make themselves better, you know, and coping with things. I mean, what, what kind of advice can you give them right now that's for the people that are listening right now? Well, it's, it's really interesting that you ask that because um, the news reports and stuff are saying that it, it's skyrocketing. Yeah. Right now. Because like I said, when you've used and you, you've uh, used substances and stuff like that a lot, it makes you more sensitive to those kind of things. So even if you're in recovery, you know, we have to deal with it in a more massive way. And so there have been way more relapses. I've been in the rooms of, of recovery and I've seen the relapses happening with financial stress and all of that kind of stuff. Now, the thing that makes it worse is that we have meetings 
that you can go to that scientifically prove that it strengthens right. that part of your brain when you're mm -hmm. meeting and talking to like-minded people who are going through the same struggles. It actually strengthens that part of your brain. Unfortunately, we're unable to go to those meetings anymore. Oh, and yeah. so we haven't been able to go to those meetings. And that is a huge part of recovery. However, we have Zoom meetings and they're not quite the same. You don't get the physical, you don't get a lot of the things. However, if you truly want recovery, you're going to, you're going to reach out and you're going to grab someone if, and this is more likely than not, <clears throat> if you have someone in your family or a friend that's struggling with it also, you know, um, there are things called Al-Anon, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. so that you can understand the best way, because a lot of times we think we're helping someone, you know, and we're absolutely not. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been bailed out of situations when I needed to hit that bottom to feel the pain. If we don't feel the pain, the thing about it's, and, and going completely off the topic, I met this guy and he was one of the lepers on Molokai. Mm. And he was saying, I said, what is the worst part about being a, a leper? And he was saying, it's the inability to feel pain because my hand can be on a stove that's on and I don't know to pull away. You know, so when you're cushioning the fall for addicts and alcoholics, you're not allowing them to feel the pain for them to pull away and, and to help themselves, you know. So and it's not saying that you should put, you know, consequences on them because that didn't work for me. Lord knows, like because I suffer from anxiety and, and panic and stuff like that, that actually makes things worse for me. But I do need to feel the, the repercussions of my actions, you know, and so like things like that when you think you're helping someone you know so uh there there is literature out there available um so that you can know the best way to help an addict or or, or anything you can't really force it on anyone but you can be the best person for them to support them but just mm -hmm. knowing that during these times right now i had personally i had a relapse you know um and that happened about four months into the pandemic and mm. we were in the middle of moving. I lost Uncle Willie K. You know, there was a lot of things going on, but I kept on keeping strong. I have my sponsor. I would talk to her every single day and all this kind of stuff. And then it just sideswiped me because someone that was using and drinking came into the house. And, mm. and then I got jealous. And without, like, I didn't, like I said, the frontal lobe of your brain isn't like, that's ridiculous if you were to use, you know, because you could, you know, you, you can't watch your kid. You can't, you know, all these things are going to lose all these things. You're going to continue drinking. Blah, blah, blah. All that was out the door because I was just off guard, you know? And, mm. and so I had a relapse that almost killed me and I was alone in a hotel wow. room in Waikiki and I had people trying to find me. Ron Artis's mom was trying to find me. You know, Kimye was calling me. Like, everybody's just trying to find me, you know, because they were afraid they were going to find a dead body. And seriously, it was only through God's grace that he, he kept me alive and sober. And um, like I said, not long ago, we just lost someone uh, dear to us in the music industry and uh, a lot of him know him. A lot of us know him, and he took his own life that way. And um, it's a very painful disease to have. Mm. Um, being the, supportive, you know, of recovery is the best thing that you can do. The the one thing that I, I was thinking as we were planning for this podcast was, you know, um, as someone who who hasn't really dealt too much with uh, with addiction and stuff like that. 
you know, just in general, life is, is difficult. You know, I mean, just, if you're just, uh, you don't have the disease, I mean, just getting up every day, going to work and getting through your regular days is, is tough, you know. But the one thing that I thought must be really frustrating is this, um, see, especially if you're doing a music career and stuff, is just the lack of consistency, right? Because you, you become successful by building on what you did the next day. But if every so often you're completely sideswiped and now you're, you got, you know, you're out for whether it's a month or two years because now you got to, now you got to come back. You got to kind of start this whole process over and start building from ground zero again. That's going to be tough, right? <laughs> well, you know, that's funny. You're the first person that interviews me about this topic uh, that mentions that. And yes, it absolutely is. When I went into Hinamaka before, because uh, I've been to Hinamaka twice uh, okay. for Impeachment. The first time that I went there, I'm sitting in the, the waiting room and I'm looking through their little magazines and on the first page it says, Yoza, live in concert. And I turn to my friend and I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna make this. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure I ain't gonna make this, you know? <clears throat> but and and this is the hard, this is the hard thing. It's choosing sobriety over your career. Mm. And, mm. and not only that, but, you know, a lot of people wonder why I choose to be vocal about it. Yeah. And it's because I can either pretend like everything's fine, you know, because my management can easily go on there and make like everything's fine, keep posting things, you know, for me and everything like that. Everything's fine. But who am I helping? Mm. You know, because out there is someone that's struggling that can see that there's this Nahoku Hanohano award-winning artist that worked with Willie Kay and Makana and all these people that has two albums that are successful, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And she suffers from the disease of alcoholism mm. and addiction and she lives and she's happy, you know? Mm -hmm. I can either do it one way where I pretend and I put on a facade or I can do it the other way where I'm like, hey, look, and you know what? It makes for great music. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right. you got you got to be a little obsessive compulsive to to practice, you know, like, I always feel like all us musicians have a little bit of that in us to be able to do the same thing repetitively until it's perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of that, is, is there any truth or any thought to, you know, you have this uh, obsessive compulsive feeling and, and addiction and channeling it through some to something else that maybe kind of distracts you from uh, that's a good point that you bring up because scientifically, now I'm all about science. Okay. Like one plus one equals two. So, okay. So it's a difference between someone whispering to you and then having a, like a megaphone and being like, bah! okay. So uh, like alcohol and drugs is like, bah! and so you're just, you get used to it. So the whispering, you're like, what, 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 mm. you know, like, so one of the most beneficial things that someone who has now about 30 years in recovery, um, I said, well, I guess that's the end of fun because you train yourself to only have fun a certain way. And right. like my therapist was saying, she's like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Nothing is as good as alcohol and drugs to bring you this feeling. Nothing ever will be, you know? And I was glad for her honesty, you know? However, what my friend said is, it's not that you're never going to have fun again. You're going to redefine fun. You're going to have a different definition of it, you know? So... It's just like 
taking your kid to Chuck E. Cheese. I use this a lot because I have my four-year-old, you know, taking your kid to Chuck E. Cheese wah! and then expecting him to have fun playing with mud pies outside, you know? Mm. And, and so it's even worse. It's a step worse than that because it's like you're playing with mud pies while watching your friends have fun at Chuck E. Cheese, you know? Yeah, yeah, but knowing yeah. that you can't handle Chuck E. Cheese, you know? Mm. So it's, it's, um, it's possible, but it's difficult. And that's why I say it's a lifelong disease, you know, like there's, and it sucks too, because a lot of times people will try to shelter you and be like, oh, you can't invite her to this, you know, event because there's going to be alcohol. I'm a performer. I'm around alcohol all the time, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like all the time, you know, and, and it's each individual person's choice uh, to stay clean and sober or not. Wow. Uh -huh. That's awesome, man. Wow. That's a great question though. That, that's a great question. Yeah, you I just talk a lot about the venues that you're playing at currently being not in business anymore permanently. Yeah, was was, was those venues um, restaurants or more more cl clubs and bars or both? What? There were some that were mainly alcohol, uh, and then there were some. But I make sure to protect my sobriety. The entire management knows not to serve me. So if I ever have a lapse in judgment, if I happen to have a lapse in judgment, then they know not to serve me alcohol. Or if somebody, like a lot of times people want to buy me a drink, you know, they know what to serve me, which is like a Red Bull, mm. you know? <laughs> so, which is what which is what you need, something that gives you more energy. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know, you have a lot of energy. Yeah, right? Can you imagine me on crack? Oh, <laughs> my God. I got Holy into a crap. lot of trouble, let me tell you. One time I was in L.A. just to give some, like... <laughs> well, L.A. is probably not the place you should be hanging out. <clears throat> oh, I was homeless in Venice, high off meth for, like, 10 days. I was seeing things. It was crazy. Wow. But anyways, yeah, no, one time I was in L.A. and then I was trying to kick out the back of the cop cars, you know, uh, the windows in the cop cars, and so they just yanked me out and they put shackles on me and and they threw me in the hospital and shot me with tranquilizers. Like, my story in print. And they're like, yo, so you got to write songs that are like, you know, fun, nice, happy songs, you know? And I'm just like, that's not my story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who else is going to write these miserable songs? <laughs> I'm just joking. But seriously, this new album that I'm writing, <laughs> because I'm in recovery and because, um, you know, the thing is, it's easy to feel sorry for people who are in recovery, which is ridiculous because I have the most amazing life. I have the most amazing son and amazing partner. I live life like I'm going to die tomorrow because I almost have died many times. You know, mm. I, have, I have such an appreciation. And, and the same guy that told me the thing about redefining, uh, you know, joy in your life and stuff, he told me your capacity for gratitude is directly proportionate to your happiness. So the mm. amount of things that you can, and that's also dialectical behavioral therapy, you know, because we have to train ourselves where we are wired like cavemen, where we're focused on negative things, you know, but because there have been so many things that have gone on, you know, wow, wow, in my life and stuff, I'm so grateful for every day that I wake up. I'm so grateful to have a roof over my head and I'm not sleeping in the rain. I'm so mm -hmm. glad when I hear birds chirping outside and I'm not awake from two nights before, you know, I'm so grateful for every little thing. And, and, and that makes, it makes me happy all the time. Genuinely happy. 
you know? And, and I mean, the main thing is, is that serenity, like calm and peace, you know, is not the absence of, of bad things happening. You know, sure. it's, it's being able to accept, you know, uh, bad things that happen and being able to be happy and grateful and continuing going, you know, yeah, yeah I have yeah. all this crazy shit, you know, that's going on and all, all this kind of stuff. I'm like one of the happiest person, you know, people that you'll meet. I'm so grateful for my life because I've almost lost it, you know, many times. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'll continue to strive for my hardest. I always pray to God and I ask him to, for me to be of service to other people, you know, that, that really, um, gives my life meaning, you know? So, th so this awesome. new album, are, are you recording yet? Or are you still kind of in the process of putting I want to be recording already. Tell Sean, talk to Sean. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. On a brighter note, <laughs> yeah. my next album really is, like I was telling you, you know, like it's, it's, it's very funny songs. Like it's okay. funny songs, but then it's also about like love and, and all kind of stuff. There's one about my son when like he had his head on my heart and I was just like, Oh, I love you so much. I will just squeeze you until the blood comes out of your eyes. You know, I'm just, <laughs> Oh, I love you so much, you know? And then I started thinking of like a, um, a uh, codependent relationship between a mother and a child. And so I started, you know, ready. And it was like, uh, <clears throat> I'll squeeze you so hard that I'll break your bones. You know, like, I, I just mm. love you so much, you know? And so I wrote a song like that. And then I also wrote a song about quarantine. Mm. And, um, you know, it's about being stuck with the same people. And you're just like, oh my God, you're so annoying. But you're the only person that I want to be with, you know? But you're so annoying. The littlest things start getting annoying, you know, to me. But um, our wives, our wives are really gonna like that song. So make sure we yeah, record yeah. it. We'll, I mean, we'll pass it on to our wives. It goes, my love, you're talking too loud on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, but it's been, I just. 30 days what it takes to flatten out the curve but it's been just a week and you're working on my last nerve you know <laughs> like <laughs> i'm like i'm happy to be stuck with you you know and uh i'm so grateful to be with uh fight eye richmond i don't know if you've heard of him but he's just an amazing filmmaker he works for sight and sound right now nice brian spicer who's the um, one of the directors for 450 and stuff like that but wow. um yeah, and so we just creative minds, you know, and we have this crazy song. I, I can get, I bet you this quarantine, Matt, it's got people thinking about their relationships for sure, you know, because you really got to spend time with these people nowadays. <laughs> so, so. They're like, hey, why don't you go out for a run? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As long, as long, as far as you want. I'll call you, I'll call you when it's time to come back. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Devin has been walking a lot during the quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's like, my wife's like, don't you have to go? <laughs> Dev, why don't we do the Desert Island Discs? Okay, cool. Well, I didn't know whether you were doing Patreon for that or how no, 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 it was no, going to no, work. We'll do it so. in the main show. Okay, okay. So, um, so we'd like to ask our guests uh, three Desert Island Discs. So, uh, or, or actually three artists. Because uh, some people are like, Albums. I don't know albums. They only know they only know artists. But but three um, people that you would take with you to a desert island. 
Holy mackerel. Wait, but then there's also... Uh, oh, and the Kennedy Greatest Hits albums, by the way. Although if we're naming Mercury. artists. Hmm? You can name artists, that's fine. Definitely Freddie Mercury. Okay. Yeah, you are not, now definitely, you have to. Yeah, no, I figured but Queen yeah, is going to be that would, yeah. That's a no-brainer. I'd probably yeah. say... Wow, that's a really good one. Um, Donny Hathaway. Oh, wow. Oh. Why, why Donny Hathaway? He's awesome. And he's so chill. And he's all about peace mm. and love and happiness. He's very positive. And he's such yep. a great songwriter. We could probably like kick out some awesome things. Um, <laughs> There's a, have you ever heard of Wolfpack? No. There's oh, a band yeah, called, shake them called Wolfpack. Cool. They, have a, they have a song called 1612, which is, um, it's just, the guy's just making up whatever comes to his mind he's saying and that's what and one of the words is donny hathaway no way <laughs> that's what made me think about that yeah he just starts naming he starts naming artists yeah <laughs> i'll send you the link i'll send you the link oh man oh this is really a rough one <laughs> the last one maybe uh say like stevie wonder oh okay, okay stevie okay. wonder but Lady Gaga also is just a genius. You know? <laughs> That'd be too much creativity. I'd be like, this is overload. I can't handle the creativity. <laughs> Can you imagine the music on that island? My God. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh, man. Wow. Can you imagine Lady Gaga and Freddie Mercury just like creating an album? She's oh, my Wow. That'd be crazy. Well, okay. So here's what I want to do. We're going to take a short break. We're going to go to our Patreon section. And I want uh, Yosa's, um, and Devin, I guess, because Devin's a movie guy, your uh, review of, what was the Freddie Mercury movie that came out? Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. So we're going to get that in a second. We'll be back in a couple of minutes (laughs) with Yosa. (laughs) 